Welcome to Finish Well Radio, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome to Finish Well Radio. I'm your host, Meredith Curtis, and I am so excited today to have one of my closest friends with us today, part of the Finish Well team, Stephen Policastro. Stephen, welcome. Thank you so much, Meredith, for having me today. I'm so excited to be here and be able to share with the audience about all the things that God is doing around the whole world. Well, we are really excited, Stephen, you and I. I know we just love talking about the Lord together. And that's kind of been the center of our friendship for what has it been like a decade or two decades? It's been a while. And um, one of the things you and I both love also is the whole idea, what people call a biblical worldview. So just share a little bit right now before we get started about your passion for a biblical worldview. For me, a biblical worldview starts with a foundation, and that foundation is outlined in Genesis, starting with the very first verse, that there's a God who created us for his own pleasure, that he might be able to display his glory through us and through his creation, and that he might be able to invite us into this relationship of love that he has that's perfect and triune. So God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have loved each other. They've been in communion with one another for eternity past. And so God creates time, and he creates the universe and the world and people. And he doesn't recreate, like, a new love for us, but he invites us into that eternal love. And so, for me, like, that's what the biblical worldview boils down to. What is the essence of our existence as men and women on the earth? And it's that we would experience God's love. Wow, I love that. You put that really well, Stephen. Thank you so much. And we're going to be talking today about homeschooling with Genesis, and that's another passion we both have. I know my kids have all graduated. I have five, but I'm so blessed to still participate in our homeschool co-op at church, and Stephen has participated as well, actually teaching a course on worldview. We're going to talk about that, homeschooling from Genesis, because that is something precious to both of us. And so starting out talking about the book of Genesis itself, you just mentioned that, that that's where really we get the foundation of a Christian worldview. I think the most important thing when I think of the book of Genesis, Stephen, is that the book of Genesis is true. We can rely on it. It's not just some made-up story like people want us to believe. It's really, really true. Yeah, I mean, there's 66 books in the Bible, and every single jot and tittle is from God. It's breathed from God, and he empowered men with pens and quills in their hand to write the words that were coming from his spirit. And so it has power, it's effective, and it doesn't return void. So no matter where you turn, whether Genesis, Revelation, or somewhere in between, Like, it's all God's word, it's all powerful, and it's all effective. True, very true. And have you noticed, Stephen, that when Jesus talked about Genesis, he talked about Genesis as truth. And he talked about the people in Genesis as real people. He talked about the events in Genesis as real events that really happened in history 
and had an impact on his life and his ministry and, of course, then has an impact on us today. Yeah, I love that. Actually, in our life group right now, we're going through parables, and we can see that in parables, Jesus always prefaces them with, I want to teach you something. This parable is to reveal something that is maybe concealed. But whenever Jesus talks about Genesis and the creation, he never uses it in the context of parables. So it's really, that's really helpful to see that, okay, Jesus is actually talking about historical fact here. He's not just saying, oh, this is hyperbole or this is like poetic, but he's saying these things I am saying right now are factual and true. And we know this because Jesus can't lie because he's God. And so in all of the gospels, when Jesus is talking about whether it be Adam and Eve or the beginning of time or the flood of Noah's day, whatever it might be, we know that God is speaking truth. Wow, that is really good. That's great insight. And I just recorded a talk for you, Stephen, for National Homeschool Day, and it was called Teaching History of Genesis. And one of the points I made in that talk was that Genesis is very specific with times and years and spans of years. And so it will say, so-and-so at the age of 130 had his son Seth, and then he lived for 700 more years and he died. And you see that throughout Genesis. So you can actually sit down and figure out the span of time from creation to the end of Genesis when Joseph actually brings the new fledgling tiny, tiny, tiny nation of Israel down into Egypt. And so we can actually see how much time, and I'm not going to go into that because that you, you'll have to listen to my talk to hear that. But I think that's so interesting, isn't it, that Genesis is so specific where you can figure out actually how many years it covers. Yeah, that's really true. And last year I went to the International Conference on Creationism and I got to listen to some of those talks about dating methods and like mm. how reliable Genesis is. And these are PhDs and researchers who are in the field getting their feet and hands dirty and really making their brains warm up <laughs> with all this data and information. And I was kind of like, wow. And five minutes in, I was like, man, this is over my head. But it was so <laughs> exciting to see, like, yeah, this is real. Like, this isn't just, like, faith, you know, although we do walk by faith and not by sight. There is science that backs it up. And as we always say at the office, we want to see God's world through the lens of God's word. And that's always our starting point. Wow, I like that. I really like that. One of the things that I really believe as a Christian, Stephen, and Christian mom, a Christian pastor's wife, is that Genesis is foundational for the gospel. Because if we don't understand that God created us and so we belong to him, like Psalm 24 one says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If we don't understand that and we don't believe that man fell into sin and is responsible and accountable for that mm -hmm. sin, why on earth do we need a savior? So I find sometimes when I talk to people about the gospel, they'll say, but I just evolved from some kind of amoeba that crawled up and became some kind of weird fish reptile. And so I end up, when I'm sharing the gospel with people, having to go back sometimes and say, well, no, I believe the Bible is true, and I believe that Genesis is accurate. And, and like you mentioned before, not hyperbole, not a parable, but an accurate true story of how the world was created. So for me, when I look at Genesis, I see 
not only does it lay a foundation of the gospel, but Genesis reveals Jesus. Yeah, I love that. One of my favorite aspects of Genesis, within the first three chapters, you learn about Jesus and that there will be one who comes and crushes the head of the serpent under his foot. And in theological terms, that's called a paraclete, and it's basically the first presentation of the gospel. And that is in the first three chapters of Genesis. We can see that this Jesus, who is timeless and eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, who together they created all that we see in all of our reality and authored time itself in every single moment of history. This Jesus is the central part of Genesis, too, and that it's the future promise. And now the promise that we get to hold in our hearts, because he did step down at a time and he did die for the sins of the world so that we might be able to know him and love him as he knows and loves us. We see that in Genesis. One of my favorite things as far as Adam and Eve in the garden go is Adam and Eve ran away from God because they were really ashamed and scared because they had just sinned. And it was two literal people who literally fell into literal sin and faced literal death. Mm, And they literally ran away from God. And God went into the garden. He's like, hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? And it's not because God didn't know where they're at. Because God knows everything, but it's because God wanted to give them a chance to respond to him and to come back. And again, that's a presentation of Jesus. Like, Jesus stepped down to the earth that we might be able to come back to him through his death and his resurrection. Wow, that is awesome. And that is so true. And I really believe that all of history points forward to Jesus or backward to Jesus, that he's the focal point. And Genesis definitely points forward to Jesus because God doesn't leave us hopeless. He gives us hope and a plan, an operation rescue, if you will. So one of the things that as a homeschool mom that I really believe is that Genesis is a great resource for teaching history and teaching science. So Stephen and I are going to talk about that, and we're going to start with teaching history and the kind of a biblical worldview of history. And I'm kind of going to step back a minute from the the Bible and just give you some things in a nutshell. If you look at what the Bible teaches about history, it teaches that history is linear. History is not cyclical, that it repeats itself over and over, but it's linear. It has a beginning. It has an end. And, of course, like I said, that Jesus is the focal point of all history. So all history is getting ready for Jesus to come, is pointing toward him, or it's pointing back to him. And, of course, the culmination or end of history is when Jesus returns and there is a new heaven and there is a new earth. Those are just some things when we look at taking Genesis and using Genesis to homeschool in the area of history is that we see that the Bible views history very different from, say, a secular textbook would present history, whereas a lot of secular textbooks today are from more of a socialist viewpoint, and they're going to look at everything in terms of the haves and the have-nots and the have-nots overcoming and crushing the have, and then eventually becoming haves and kind of all about money. But see, the Bible tells us that the conflicts in history boil down to the problem of sin and the sin nature, which we read about in Genesis 3. And so... 
when we start with Genesis and we understand the problem of mankind because Adam and Eve sinned, then we realize that all of history is full of people made in the image of God, capable of great good, but also conceived in sin, infected by their ancestor Adam, until they are set free by Jesus. So we see history in a very different light, not some nebulous thing. And then throughout it all, we see a God who is working behind the scenes, fulfilling his purpose, fulfilling his plan. I love that. Like the God is sovereign over every single molecule that he created. Like he spoke every single molecule, every single atom into existence, and he's sovereign over all of them. So they, you put it so eloquently, dance to his song. <laughs> yes. And I just love that, that God is intimate and that he is concerned about the number of hairs on our head and the number yes. of grains of sand on the seashore. And to think, like, those things change daily. Maybe not the hair on your head, but for some of us, that is the case. But definitely the numbers of sand on the seashore, those grains that going in and out every single minute with every single wave. And God keeps a record of all of them. And like that reminds me also in the Psalms where it talks about that God even keeps a record of the tears that we cry. And mm. like he loves us so much that even in our time of greatest joy or deepest need, like, he's collecting our tears in a bottle, and he's writing them down in a book because he loves us that much. And so, ultimately, like, God is love, and that's what it says in the New Testament. And we see the expression of that love from the very first verse of the Bible. I love that, Stephen. That is so beautiful, just how much God loves his people. And I think... Sometimes you can look at history in that way of God just giving nations an opportunity to repent, like Assyria repented at one point right. when Jonah preached to them. Later, of course, they did not. One of the things that has really stood out to me as I've taught my children, especially when I take a peek at some of the things kids are being taught in public schools, secular textbooks, is that the earth is young. The earth is not millions or billions of years old. The earth is about 6,000 years old. And that's pretty young, especially compared to the figures that are being tossed out to young people. And you had two people that God created, a man and a woman, and marriage. God created marriage in the garden. And he also created Adam fully human, Eve fully human. So Adam is naming the animals. That means language didn't evolve. Man was born speaking a language and creating a language, which is even far more advanced. And I'll tell my children, I'll say, you know what? We buy into this lie that man is getting better and better. But the truth is, Adam and Eve were created perfect, but over time their DNA is getting more and more corrupt and lifespan shorter. And so all in all, I am sure that the greatest things that ever happened may have taken place at the very beginning of creation and may be lost forever under the waters of the flood. We just really don't know. We do know this. We do know that man was so amazingly capable of incredible things in the very beginning. And I love even hearing things about, you know, they discovered, oh, yeah, this ancient civilization could fly. There's evidence that they could fly. And I think, wow, that's so cool. So I think when you look at Genesis as your foundation for teaching history, 
you see a whole new perspective on what people were like in ancient times, what they were capable of, how young the earth is, and all those kind of things. I'm going to take a break right now, and we're going to hear a message from our sponsor. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about the biblical worldview of science and geography. And Stephen's going to tell us all about a ministry that he's involved in and National Homeschool Day. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Stephen Polycastro with National Homeschool Day. Thank you so much for tuning in to Finish Well Radio. We hope you're enjoying the show. I just want to take a moment to invite you to join us in celebrating Faith and Family on February 23rd, 2019. That's a Saturday. No matter where you are around the world, we invite you to join us for this global faith-based parent-led education revolution. You can register your family, your local church, your homeschool co-op, or your online community for free by visiting www.nationalhomeschoolday.com and just mention Finish Well Radio in the comment section of your registration. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you for that special day as we celebrate what God is doing in our hearts and in our homes. God bless. You've been listening to Finish Well Radio on the Ultimate Radio Network. Now, back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome back. We're so excited that you're with us today. We've been talking about the book of Genesis and how it reveals the truth about history and science and God and the Trinity and Jesus and God's plan of Operation Rescue. And right now we're going to be talking about a biblical worldview of science and geography. One of the things that I had mentioned before about science and geography is that The world is young, but also the world was created in a perfect state. Yeah, and so in perfection, God is perfect, so he can only speak things into existence that are perfect. And he doesn't create things with fault. Mm. But there's this little thing called sin, you might know about it, and that brings so much tragedy into the world and so much shame and guilt and death. But that didn't happen until Adam and Eve rebelled against God's rule of don't eat that specific fruit. And they decided to because Satan came and deceived them. And so, again, from the very first book of the Bible, we can see there's this spiritual war going on between God and Satan and us humans. So it's really three parties. But something that we have to realize when we're reading through history is that the war is not a war of equals because God is triumphant and victorious and and he's God. So evil will never win out. God will always win. And that is not only a historical perspective, but that is present and future perspectives as well. So at the end of the time, God's going to win. You know, God won on the cross. Like God wins in our lives today. Maybe you're going through something hard Uh, this season of your life, 
And I just want to encourage you that if you know Jesus and if you live a surrendered life, that God is going to come through. And maybe you're sitting here being like, well, I don't know what a surrendered life looks like. Well, for you, God's going to come through. Like, that's his heart and that's his desire is to come through for you and to see you live in the fullness of the salvation that he's planned for your life. Amen. We're talking about the biblical worldview of science and geography. And one of the things that is a little difficult, and no one was there that's alive today at the creation of the world, except for the Lord, who revealed that in his word. But we know that things were created perfectly. There was no death until the fall. And then after the fall, there was death, but there were still these long, long lifespans. I imagine there was no rain until the flood, and so the water came up from the ground. And so all of that is so hard to imagine because now we think of the water cycle and all these different things, but there probably was a water cycle there. Well, I'm guessing, but it wasn't like the water cycle of today. And so when we look at everything from a science and geography point of view, we have to realize that the flood brought worldwide changes in the climate, in geological layers, in maybe shifting continents around, creating new rivers. I imagine that when Noah and Mrs. Noah and their sons and their sons' wives got out of the ark, they were blown away by the changes that they saw post-flood compared to pre-flood because we know not only did rain for the very first time come down, but we also know that water bursts open from underneath. And so there was just water coming from everywhere and cataclysmic. And so, so many changes. And honestly, when you embrace the truth of Genesis of a worldwide flood, it makes a lot of things make sense, like the Grand Canyon and other places. And it makes sense when you find fossils of sea animals in the middle of a landlocked place, because now we know, okay, this is our starting point, and this allows us to interpret the things we discover. We can interpret them with the truth. Yeah, that's so true. So, like, it's funny that you mentioned fossils, sea fossils in landlocked places. So some of our research teams in the middle of America, so places like Kansas and Montana, like you can find certain traces of sea life fossils in what should not, like, is dry land. And so that's really interesting. There's the Grand Canyon. There's the Missoula floodplain up in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of, like, flood deposition, which is, like, large areas that have different soils and different debris layers leveled on top of one another what causes like lots of mud and dirt and just stuff to be transferred across large areas and it has to be something that's uh, you know catastrophic and so you might hear some people say oh well either the flood didn't happen or it's like all these things were long processes or maybe even that the flood was only local Um, but we can see that Rain falls from the sky around the whole world. <laughs> so, right. like, that's just a really simple um, apologetic or defense of the faith as far as the flood goes, that rain falls around the whole world, or that we see these layers, like the layers you see in the Grand Canyon, you can see them in some places in Europe and some places across Asia. And uh, just even climates, like you see deserts in Africa and you see deserts in Arizona and California. And so there's a lot of, from geographical to geological and even climate-wise. There's a lot of similarities around the world, 
and that's because the whole world was affected by this judgment that God set out on the earth through the flood to help cleanse the earth. And then he set the rainbow in the sky, saying he would never flood the earth again with water, but he came to flood the earth with grace and love through the death and resurrection of Christ. And like that's what I always remember when I see a rainbow, is like, oh my gosh, like that reminds me that Jesus came, he came to flood the world in a spiritual sense with grace and love and truth that we might have the opportunity to be one with him again. I love that, Stephen. That's awesome. And I want you to share with everyone a little bit about the International Association for Creation and tell them how it got started and then your whole vision for National Homeschool Day. Could you share with us? Yeah. So the International Association for Creation started back in 2012 when my friends Rose, Zach, and I were on the college campus at Stetson. And we had some run-ins with the administration just because they didn't necessarily agree with our worldview. And so we went underground and continued to preach the gospel, even though they told us we had to shut down our little church organization on campus, which was okay because we weren't going to, like, recant our faith. <laughs> but in the midst of, like, that seemingly, like, impossible situation, it was a... Saturday night during church um, at a building that we had rented and a lady by the name of Marianne Stewart came because her daughter was a member of the church at the time and she had heard that we were into creation and she's like oh well can you pray for me and like the people I work with at Mount St. Helens Creation Center and so we're like sure we will definitely pray and so we prayed that like God would find them a new director and they started to see their prayers get answered, and they started giving my phone number out to other museum friends that they had, and I started getting more phone calls from other museums around the country saying, like, oh, can you pray for us, too? So Isn't that awesome that everything got started with prayer? I'm sorry I interrupted you, Stephen. <laughs> I just had to say that. That is so awesome that it all began with just praying for God to move. Okay, keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that is the amazing thing. Like, I just, I love that, that it was, like, one faithful act of obedience that started a chain reaction. Be obedient in the small things. You know, the word even tells us it's like if you're if you're trustworthy in the small things, then God will allow you to continue to grow and serving and doing things. So we were praying and saw prayers getting answered, you know, everyone started praying for each other and now it's grown quite a bit. Like God's been opening all the right doors and doing miracles honestly in our midst to allow us to do a lot of things that we're doing currently. So right now we operate Across the United States, we've got 200 local teams across the U.S., and then around the world, uh, about 3,000 missionaries, um, and a lot of those are in the 1040 window, and so just like as a side note, to pray for the persecuted mm, uh, folks, yes. like our persecuted family in China and Japan, all the way far out east, and actually the 1040 window goes all the way west to Portugal, so a lot of people don't know that Portugal actually is the only open country in the 1040 window, and it's also one of the only countries in the 1040 window in Western Europe. So it actually starts in Portugal and goes all the way east to, like, Japan and some of the islands, like, north of Australia, so, like, Papua New Guinea and the Philippines. And all those places, they need prayer. There's a lot of persecution going on. We found in our organization with our missionaries that... It's easier to get biblical worldview training materials in there than it is to get Bibles. So we had success with that. And there's other things that we work on in certain countries 
that I'm unable to talk about in public because of security concerns. But just know that God is, like, doing miracles in these countries. And when you hear, like, one bad report in the news, that there's probably ten good things that God is doing. Mm, And so just be encouraged. And so also just about National Homeschool Day, um, this is a global faith-based parent-led education revolution. I didn't start out that way. So it started out, again, just as us being faithful in little things and having like a little internal event with some of our museums across the country to encourage homeschooling parents in those states to check out their local uh, museum and creation science resources and have a few of our speakers from our network present on biblical worldview topics. And then a few weeks ago, the Lord did a miracle, and it went viral online. So now National Homeschool Day is across the United States and many of the territories. And then we've also got Canada involved, uh, Mexico, Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Nepal. Um, and we're working to continue to expand uh, the availability across Europe as well. So it's really exciting to see God opening up all these doors and having all these families and the many different countries around the world be able to be encouraged and pointed to Jesus as they look to educate their children, starting with Genesis. So there is going to be a conference, and it's going to be online, and it's going to be available, and many churches and locations are going to stream it. And I'm just going to share with you the speakers and what they're going to share. And so Israel Wayne who's a homeschool dad with many children and an ever-growing family, is going to be speaking on homeschooling from a biblical worldview. Dr. Lania Callantine is going to speak on science, the Bible, and my child's heart. Sherry Seligson is going to be speaking on Am I Ruining My Children? Barb and Rich Heckey are going to speak on engaging grandparents in homeschooling. Kyle Justice is going to be speaking on fostering your children's gifts for his kingdom. And I am going to be speaking on how to teach history with Genesis. So, Stephen, tell us the day, the time, and if people are listening here and they want to tune in to National Homeschool Day, what can they do? Ultimately, our goal is to vision and encourage the hearts of parents. So, We've worked with our partners to make sure that National Homeschool Day is available to as many families as possible. So to get registered, you can go to nationalhomeschoolday.com. That's all one word. It's nationalhomeschoolday.com. And you can register your local church, your homeschool co-op, your online community, or even you know have a private viewing in your own home. And it's all free. So you just go online and register, and then you'll be sent the links to the talks a day or so before February 23rd, and they'll go live. So the event is on February 23rd, and because it's global, there's no necessarily set schedule. You can play the talks on your own um, schedule, and they fit into any time zone. So they're all pre-recorded, so you don't have to worry about, like, starting and stopping at a certain time. You can do it at your own leisure. We recommend that you set aside seven and a half hours for the event Mm -hmm. um, if you plan on streaming all six talks and that gives you an opportunity to have 15 minute breaks between each talk and a 30 minute lunch when those breaks are a great time to stretch your legs you know talk about the previous discussion um, that was had and each talk is about 45 minutes long so you can find out more information about the talks and the speakers 
some of our great sponsors, things like that at nationalhomeschoolday.com. And also, like, it all goes back to, like, our goal in this is to fulfill the cultural mandate found in Genesis that talks about subduing the earth. And honestly, the best part about that is that, like, Jesus, like, we talked about in the beginning of our show here how Jesus came to crush the head of the serpent. And because Jesus died on the cross, the war has been waged and won against Satan. And we're seeing that in part now. We'll see it in full in the future. But the great thing about that is that we're just exercising the dominion that Christ has claimed. So because Jesus lives in us through the Spirit, like we can walk in that mandate fully with the power of Christ in us. We don't have to work the mandate out ourselves. Like Jesus already completed the work for us, and we just get to reap the benefits as we abide in him and as we walk in his ways. Awesome, Stephen. Thank you so much. And so, again, if you're listening and you want to participate in National Homeschool Day, February 23rd, 2019, and you can go to nationalhomeschoolday.com for more information and to register. And it's been such a privilege, Stephen, having you with me today. God is so good, and he has so much for you, not only in the book of Genesis, but in the whole Bible, to equip you and help you to teach your children the true truth. And it's going to be so exciting one day. We will all be with him in heaven forever, those of us who know the Lord Jesus. And what a privilege to raise our children to know and love him too. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. May you have a wonderful, exciting homeschool adventure. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Radio with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Radio Network.